Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. Welcome to Weekly Jump, presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. This is our weekly episode reviewing first impressions of newer anime and manga titles. Let's jump in. And we are back with another Weekly Jump. So, hey, everybody. Um, What's going on? You can't answer. But if you want to answer, you should join our Discord. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what a roller coaster that was. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, so Blake and I have some strong opinions about our first thing that we should cover. Um, so I, I, I think we should go ahead and start with our screen time. Are, are you okay with that? Yeah, as well? that sounds good to me. Okay. I meant to move those around, so I, I'm in agreement. Dude, uh, so we watched a another recommendation. Um, it, it, I think it's Kaze No Stigma. Um, and that it was, is. And Good job. That was recommended by Toshin. Um, and I believe that was on Discord, right? Yeah. Uh, I think I've gotten like one recommendation off of Reddit, but I don't think I logged that, so... Almost all of these are coming from Discord. Also, by the way, many of them are coming from people saying, I like this show, or you should watch this show. Um, but sometimes it's just people mentioning a show that we haven't covered, and I just like log it down. So if you're like, I didn't recommend that. Maybe you mentioned it one time, and you were the first person I remember mentioning it, and we hadn't covered it, and here we go. Yeah. So here we go. Um, so this show uh, is is trying so hard (laughs) and I did not enjoy it. And here's why it wasn't because of the story. Were you also kind of in that same sort of agreement with me? Did you watch the, Uh, you, did you watch the dub as well? I watched the dub. Oh, the dub was part of the problem. Oh my God. Okay, so here's the first Why thing. Why is his voice so deep? So the, here's the first thing. So the dub is not great. Um we 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 really love that that people are doing more and more dub work in the United States. See, and they're I working think, harder I think and the harder. The problem with the dub is not the acting but the casting. Yes. I don't think they were put in the right roles. Yeah, I I really think that the casting was bad on it number 1. Number two, um, there are, uh, there are, there's an issue with how short the skirts are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And how much wind. But it's not super male gazy. It's so much wind, man. It's like short skirts. Well, it is literally the stigma of the wind. (laughs) (laughs) Also, like, the first thing that happens is like, is like, she, she murders a big giant spider with fire sword power. And then uh, yeah. immediately afterwards, she's meeting up with her friends, and there's just, like a gust of wind, and they're like, ooh, and having like oh a Marilyn God. Monroe moment. And then afterwards, she's just my like, f- I hate the wind. <laughs> yeah. My favorite thing was about that scene was right before the gust of wind, they're like standing there, and she's like, let's go to a movie or some shit. She says, like, let's go do some social activity. And they go, oh, but we're here by the beach. Let's enjoy the, the ocean breeze. And then they are all like, oh, the ocean breeze. And I'm like, what are you going to do? Just stand there in the wind and just idle for 20 <laughs> minutes? Like, what, what's the plan, girls? Like, going to the beach 
to enjoy the wind is one thing, but enjoying the wind on its own is not an activity. Yeah, that's just being outside. That's like a, a personal meditation thing. Are you talking about being outside? Yes, being outside yeah. is great. <laughs> being outside and quietly enjoying nature is wonderful, but it's not a good group activity. <laughs> if your friends are like, let's hang out, let's do something, and you're like, let's sit quietly and think of the wind, yeah. you are not going to get invited places anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Yeah. The first episode. Oh. The first episode um, introduces to our main characters. Um, let's call her Fire Sword and Wendy McWinderson Deep Voice. <laughs> sure. So there's this girl. She has a fire sword. There's a guy whose voice is way too deep and adult. Like if this guy sounds like this, Ichigo should sound like Mufasa. <laughs> Rukia, everything the light touches will one day not be yours because you will be an insignificant character by the end of the show. (laughs) Or killed because we haven't gotten that far. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Spoiler. Yeah, so (laughs) she there's there's it, it seems like it's modern day Japan. And this is, this is, so I, I did a little, a quick little Wikipedia, because I'd never heard of this. Some interesting factoids about this, um, the uh, Kaze no Stigma, it's another one of those um, light novel into manga, into anime series that have been uh, much more prevalent nowadays. But this, I, th- I think this came about a little bit before the turn all light novels into anime craze that we are sort of currently in um, because the light novels began releasing in 2002 and the anime itself came out in 2007. Um, the anime is 24 episodes. The light novel series has 12 volumes and uh, it remains incomplete because the author died uh, in 2009 and so if you're like super duper into this, uh, there is no ending. I don't know if they did an ending for the manga adaptation. I suspect they did not. Um, but I do know that the light novel series specifically is unfinished to this day because of the death of the author. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. That I don't think happens a lot in creative outlets. Um, although, you know, we may get another big one soon, George R. R. Martin, but, uh, you know, uh, generally speaking, you get to the end or your series becomes unfinished because of executive meddling. Usually it's not because of the death of the author. So I thought that was interesting. I don't think it has much to do with the anime series itself, but I did get the impression, like, I was like, the reason I looked it up initially was I was like, what year is this from? Because it seemed old, but not that old. Um, And 2007 doesn't feel old because I was a teenager in 2007, but uh, it, it kind of is because that was um, 14 years ago. Uh, so that's a little, uh, that's hard to reckon with. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this, it's, it definitely, there, there are modern techniques for making anime look crisper and higher budget that this anime, I think, predates. Yeah. And so some of the budgetary constraints or CG corner cutting that they use is a little off-putting. 
just from a modern standpoint. Uh, so they, so yeah. So what do we have here? We've got this Mr. Wind slash and fire sword girl, and they are from the same clan. So this is why I mentioned that it's modern day Japan because it, it is modern day Japan, but they are operating on sort of like feudal clan system rules when they're at home. And so this is some sort of like long lived, somewhat auspicious clan. And this clan pretty much exclusively uses fire magic, except for Mr. Windboy, who for some reason in the first three episodes, we get little flashbacks of him being chastised for not mastering fire magic. And even worse, being told by his parents as a young child that he will no longer be considered a part of the family and is now exiled because he can't learn the magic the family uses. So, you know, not everybody should be parents. Um, and they they just... they So they exile him because he, has, he doesn't have fire magic. I, I believe he gets wind magic in exile, although... It, it's not clear to me at what point he took to wind magic, but he uses wind magic. He's changed his name because he's in exile and he has a chip on his shoulder about his family. And uh, he happens to cross paths with a member of that family when they are doing an exorcism of, I think, what they expect to be an evil spirit. But it turns out to be a yokai, which I thought was just an evil spirit. So I don't know what the <laughs> difference is there, but... Uh, at least in this series, they are drawing a line between evil spirit and yokai, and yokais are more scary. And uh, then they, uh, some of the family members start getting killed by a wind user, and the first three episodes are basically everybody being like, you, main character, you killed our family members, probably because of how horrible we were to you in your recent past as a child. And he's like, no, I hate you too much to do anything to you. Why are you coming after me? Do not come after me. And they're like, well, we'll go ahead and kill you and then we'll figure it out afterwards. <laughs> and so that's basically the whole thing for the first two episodes. And then in episode three, the only reasonable character in the series who is the leader of the clan Who's not doing a very good job, if you ask me, since all of the clan members are going rogue and trying to kill this guy. <laughs> but he's like, he actually sits down and has a conversation with Windboy, and then is like, oh, I don't think you did it. And I think we do know who did it. And it's this other clan that's known for using wind magic <laughs> and has a historical chip on their shoulder with our clan. Hilarious. Like, I just, yeah. I just love... I, <laughs> Who'd have thought? Like, the only thing that I could think in that moment while watching it was just, like, w number one, it, it, must be, it must be hard to just be, uh, you know, hated by everybody. And number two, it must be really hard when you're hated by so many people that it's very difficult to nail down which person wants to murder you. It's like they're the mob, <laughs> and they have wronged so many people that they're just like everyone that might be an issue let's just go ahead and kill them just to be safe um and then if yeah, they're basically the gang from it's always sunny in philadelphia yeah basically anyways uh here's my two thoughts about this show and these are my my final recommendations for it number one i think that the adaptation is not great um, it it was coming out in 2007, and uh, if you want to know, not a ton of good anime came out before two th between 2000 and 2010. 
Um, there was a, a lot of anime that was being created, um, but a lot of anime had a lot of corners cut because the amount of money that has been poured inside of animation studios um, has has gone up significantly since about 2010. Um, I can tell you, yeah. as somebody who was watching a shit ton of anime um, from the years of 2000 to 2010, uh, in, in my, you know, uh, I was in high school and then college at that time, I was watching a lot of anime. Um, there were a lot of not good shows that I was recommended by friends of mine, um, and I tried to watch them, and I was just like, it is not worth it. Um, <laughs> and I think... I would say, too... I think anime is in something of a heyday. I meant to mention this on our, our Friday episode that we recorded, mm-hmm. which I guess will be the the most recent. It's the most recent Naruto episode. So I think it's the one before this. Naruto. Uh, but I, I forgot. And so it's, uh, you know, I did this summer camp with, um, with kids from like age 12 to 16 or so. Um, and I had what? 12 plus 11 plus 15 kids although i think there were like two repeats in there so i had a i had a good number of kids over 30 kids through the course of three weeks that i taught and all of them fucking love anime and talk about it openly and like on their breaks will like pull out their phones and watch anime on their phones together they'll like gather around phones and watch it together and talk about it and that is so absolutely 180 degrees different than my experience in high school. Oh, yeah, like, man. Nobody liked anime, yeah. and they would make fun of you if you did like anime. And I think that that's awesome, because the some of them are, were like, we're going to listen to your show. And it's like, okay, but I, I swear on it, and I'm supposed to be a role model for you right now. So maybe... <laughs> but... <laughs> We we have we have the mature <laughs> like, tag for a reason. We curse so yeah, much. I mean fuck, we like curse that, so fucking much. <laughs> <laughs> but there was one day when I was like I gave them like a, a decent amount of time for a break because we were really late in the rehearsal process and they were like really on it and didn't want to over rehearse and blah blah blah. And so like one of them was sitting watching Death Note, a group of them were watching Haikyuu, another group of them were like lounging around talking about their favorite anime. Like which ones they thought were good, and I was like, "Who the fuck are these kids? Why was I born when I was? <laughs> how do I re- so, how do I reach these kids?" <laughs> I think if if they're so, this is not this this dip in quality in anime. It's not something that I'm sort of aware of that you're talking about here, Spencer. And so, if that is true, I could see that being the industry struggling, and I think the modern market for anime is very high quality. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was in response to a sudden increase in popularity from the youth of today. Yeah. So, so, so if you're wondering, if if you're wondering during the time of 2000 to 2010, there are really like, there are really probably like 10 really big shows that I would, I would point out to the that people I think have the, probably the big heard of. three were running during that time yeah so they were running during the time but i'm talking about specifically like they were built up so at the very end of 2010 2009 specifically brotherhood came out but before that it was basically like uh gurren Lagann, death note uh mushishi monster and i guess Fruits Basket, but I wasn't super into Fruits Basket and uh, Fully Cooley. Those are going to be like the mm. big names. Fully Cooley's from the twenty ten, from the two thousand to twenty ten range. So Fully Cooley came out in two thousand, 
Um, so oh wow, I thought it was the nineties. Yeah, so it it came out uh, it came out running alongside with like Boogie Pop Phantom, um, but like mm, Boogie Pop Phantom. Yeah, Boogie Pop. There was like it, there were some shows that were all right, but there are also just like if you take a look at like from two thousand to two thousand and ten. There's a shit ton of anime that came out at that time, and a lot of it you're like, what is this show? Um, so this this is one of those shows that I think sort of falls inside of that, but it's also one of those shows, which is my second point, that I would recommend that if you like light novels, I think that the the premise of the show is cool enough that I bet the light novel is better than the anime adaptation. And number two, I do enjoy the kind of magic system and intrigue and kind of like, you know, like the, the whodunitness of the anime mixed with magic because I like those things. But I really, really think that this show would do well to have like a more, uh, more capable studio step in now um, and pick it up and try to do like a, a modern readaptation of it. A la something like, you know, uh, 2011 Hunter X Hunter. Um, so I, yeah, like I've watched old Hunter X Hunter and it is almost unwatchable. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's really rough, even though the story is the same, it is, it is very difficult for me to watch just because I've, I've seen, I've seen the future. Um, so this is one of those that I think, um, has enough potential and enough interesting story that if you're able to get over the kind of like foibles that we have with uh, how you watch it. Um, you're probably going to enjoy it um, because I, I do think that the story is interesting and the power system is interesting. But at the same time, I think that it, it was really mis, you know, mishandled in the way that it was originally pro- like processed and put out. Yeah, um, I have a review also, but you mentioned seeing the future. Did you watch the, the first episode of Rick and Morty season five yet? Oh, my God. So good. It's on- it's on YouTube. God, it's it is one of the best episodes of the show I've seen. It's so good. Anyway, uh, so the um, my my thoughts while I was watching this, and a- as I went on in the in the anime, I would I came to the conclusion that this is pretty much the okayest anime that I have ever seen. Yeah, it is super just fine. Like all, none of the concepts here are new. But none of them are done poorly, but none of them feel fresh. The character designs are super bland without exactly making everybody look like background characters, but they are just sort of boring, basic, like there's not a lot to them. They just, they look like they could be background characters, but like somebody put a lot of care into those background characters and they just don't pop they don't feel memorable their personalities are tropes they aren't so much characters as they are archetypes um i think that they did a little bit to give the main character some stuff because he's got this tragic backstory but my read on him is that he's just so fucking strong um it's not completely explained why he is so strong but he's so strong that like he is basically unbeatable and he doesn't even have to like flinch away. Like he, he is attacked by two of the strongest members of the fire clan and he doesn't even flinch. He doesn't even move while he's defending himself or attacking them. Part of that is because he has wind magic and he doesn't have to move. 
but it it really if you'll excuse the unintended pun it really takes the air out of the action when the character is so unfazed by it that he might as well be enjoying a fucking sea breeze instead of doing anything Mm -hmm. like it, it just has the sort of intensity uh of plot and the the sort of like high stakes for this main character of you know i don't know a ladybug crawling on your knee you're like huh that's interesting but like that's about all he can rise to other than wanting to clear his name which he's interested in but the way he goes about it for most of the first three episodes is by just trying not to just trying not to cross paths with the fire people so he's not he's not doing nothing but what he's doing isn't interesting and the way he's approaching these high stakes scenarios when his opponents are very heated if you'll again excuse the unintended pun they are uh <laughs> at some point they are just intended. You're you're doing this on purpose. <laughs> I'm not doing it on purpose. I said that without thinking. Uh, but he he's just he's just completely unfazed, and it's really boring. And it's like again, it's that thing we talked about with One Punch Man, where it's like if your protagonist is too strong, it makes the story uninteresting unless you can find a way to make that a hook. And One Punch Man, the source of of intrigue in that story, at least early on is that he is so strong that it is affecting him emotionally and mentally and making his life worse because he's too strong and he doesn't know what to do about it. And that's really interesting. And it's a really fun hook. This guy is so strong. Like at one point, like there, so there's him and then there's the girl with the fire sword and they're clearly sort of sharing the spotlight. Although I would say he is a little bit more of a main character in the first three episodes. And she comes along And she's got this sword whose powers aren't quite explained. It also does fire, but it seems like it has some sort of cuts through magic or something qualities that make it extra special. But nobody ever explains it, so I don't know exactly what the rules are there. But she's she's like the heir to the family. She's got this special sword and, uh, you know, has main character or main side character trappings. And she's just like flailing about uselessly against this mysterious wind assassin who she thinks is the main character. And then when she goes to attack the main character in the presence of the current clan chief, he's like, don't attack him one, because he's my guest and that would be rude, but two, because he's so strong, he would kick your ass. And I'm just like, where's the tension in the story? Uh, and, And it is interesting that he is being hunted. It is interesting it's not so much a mystery because we don't know we don't end up having met the character who did it and we don't know anything about the clan who's responsible for it they just reveal that as expository new information so it's it doesn't have the intrigue or hook of a mystery but it is a it is an interesting setup that he is basically being framed for killing his his family that he's been exiled from and I just, yeah, this is a long, a long-winded way of me saying that I agree with Spencer that the story is interesting enough that it probably would be worth checking out the light novels or the manga adaptation, but that the anime, especially the dub, I think, have some really unfortunate um, production choices or constraints that are really emblematic of the time in which this was made that make it a little bit harder of a pill to swallow. I didn't find myself not enjoying this, but I didn't find myself compelled by it. 
So I was sort of like looking up at it and being like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then looking back at my phone and sort of wondering how much longer I had before my three episodes were up. Yeah. And the third episode ends on something of a cliffhanger and we got to it and I was like, oh man, I, I guess I'll never know what happened with that. That's a bummer. But it wasn't like, oh no, I've got to watch another one to find out what happens with this guy. Like it just wasn't good enough to make me want to watch another one. It's just... It's not bad, but it's not good. It's just okay. And I think that your mileage may vary. If those production constraints don't bother you, you will probably like this quite a bit more than us. If, uh, you know, I do this with other things where, like, if there's a trope or a sort of an anime-esque thing that you really enjoy, and one of them is, you know, this type of magic system or this type of story or this type of, you know, shonen battle... I think you'll really enjoy this. And if, if all you want is more of the same and it doesn't have to be better of the same, you'll enjoy it. It's kind of like when we were talking about Phantom Seer versus Jujutsu Kaisen. Jujutsu Kaisen is just Phantom Seer, but better. But if you want more of that, Phantom Seer is a great addition. Um, I, I think you'll find that you'll enjoy this if those kinds of things really hook you. And you'll enjoy this if you are not turned off by low production quality which I would say this is not quite low production quality, but it is just sort of middling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really my review of it is that it's completely middling. It's relatively inoffensive, but completely not intriguing in any particular way. And uh, I, I would say that seeking out something that's not quite so constrained by production budgets will be a better bet for enjoying this story which I suspect probably is relatively enjoyable once you get down to it. Yeah. Okay. Our next thing that we're going to be going over really quick is going to be, Oh wait, you have to remember send in. If you want a mystery prize, send me that you want mystery mystery prize. prize. Anyways, um, the, the last thing that we're going over is going to be our page flips. And that is the death note special one shot. Um, Here's the problem with this. Skip it. Uh, I, I say skip it because it is, it is legitimately nothing that is important to the story of Death Note. Um, it tells you no new information. Um, the characters are uh, straight up. The the character that is introduced is straight up removed from the the show or from the storyline of Death Note at, by the end of this. Um, well, this is this is actually a sequel to Death Note, sort of. Like, it takes place after the series. Yeah, it is. It, if you really, really love Death Note, and you're just obsessed with Shinigami who loves apples, um, you can certainly read this. And you might have, like, a, a good, you know, a good 15 minutes of time while you read it where you're just like, oh, this is interesting. But at the end of it, you're just kind of like... Why did I read this? Which is how I felt. Um, it it tells huh. it tells uh, the uh, the story of a character that is supposed to be super smart um, who gets offered the death note and then tells uh, the Shinigami to come back in two years. Um, and then when he comes back, he uh, comes up with a big long story of how he is going to um, convince everybody in the world to start bidding on a death note. Um, and then by the end of it, he never uses the death note and there is a Trump stand in. Um, and so I just, yeah, I've seen Trump stand ins in a couple of anime from the last couple of years. And I really fucking hate that. Cause I don't like that guy. And I don't like seeing reminders that he exists. Yep. And so 
And so here, here's my here's my thing about this. Um, one of my favorite things about Death Note is the the like trials and tribulations of people that have to decide life and death. And because of that, um, it creates a good, a really good dichotomy of like how you can decide what is good and what is bad. And you have two characters that embody like a great cat and mouse game. And that is what makes Death Note so interesting with the additional intrigue of there's like a spiritual force at work there. Um, so, you know, something supernatural is also happening. In this, it is just a touch of the supernatural and everything you like from the Death Note, but mostly it's just about how I can make it to where I make a lot of money for me and basically everybody else that is is at this bank, except for people that, like, you know, didn't get it over a, a specific time and are over 60. I was just like, way to leave people out, you ass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I actually had a pretty a pretty different reaction to this. I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I thought it was just but so I, mad. I, th- I think I'm hearing that, like, for you, it's missing a lot of the allure of Death Note. Um, and I, I would agree that a lot of Death Note is that cat and mouse game. A lot of it is those, like, high stakes near misses. And I don't think any of those really are present here. This is only one aspect of Death Note, and it's an aspect that I really enjoy. Um, and it's actually an aspect that I've talked about from the context of powers in a shonen anime, which is I really like a hard magic system, which means a magic system where powers work in very particular ways and have sort of specific rules. You could almost write like a numbered list of rules on a sheet of paper of how that power works. And anything that you do with the power has to work inside that that constraint. Um, actually, Kaze no Stigma has a very soft magic system, at least from the first three episodes. They do fire, they do wind, and they can do pretty much whatever they want to within those constraints without really any apparent uh, limitations or you know hurdles to clear. Death Note's quite the opposite. Death Note has a literal list of rules that tells you how it works. And this story is not about the cat and mouse, even though they try to they try to dangle a cat and mouse game in front of you, but it never comes to anything. Um, and uh, it's not about those near misses because the main character is actually never at all in danger of being found out even kind of. But uh, it is about the um, the rules of the Death Note and how you can use the rules of the Death Note in creative and unexpected ways to form an exciting outcome that you wouldn't have thought was possible just reading the rules of the death note. And then it causes, you know, because the story then focuses in on this character is auctioning off the death note to the highest bidder. It becomes this interesting sort of social commentary about the world and about geopolitics and stuff like that. And so I think those things are interesting, and I enjoyed it for that. It's been a long time since I've watched Death Note, and I've never read Death Note. Um, So I'm looking forward to getting back to it. So it may be that my distance from the series makes this a little bit more exciting, because for me, I was like, ah, there's that old Death Note feeling that I haven't been really getting in other series. 
Um, and so to me, this was very Death Note, but I also haven't been in Death Note. And I agree listening to you that it is missing a lot of the elements that sort of fuse together to make Death Note so compelling. Um, but I, I definitely think that this feels, it feels like a very unnecessary one-off story. It is not connected to the main series. Many of the main characters show up because it is after the main series, but, uh, the the main main character here is a completely new character who just exists for the story. Um, if you want more Death Note, I think it gives it to you. But I, I would say that, yeah, if what you liked about Death Note was those high stakes near misses and the cat and mouse game, you're not going to get that here. If what you liked was the sort of like cleverness of the main character in twisting scenarios to move in unexpected ways and have unexpected global consequences... I think you will enjoy it. Yeah. Also, if you just um, love watching Shinigami eat apples, you're going to get all of the yeah. apples you can handle. Or if you want to look at this gorgeous fucking art. Oh. God, it's so good looking. Yeah, I mean, there is something to be said. The high quality manga is just going to be there. Um, it is It is just, you know, it's going to be what you want because there is no drop in quality at all from the original manga. Um but yeah, the, this is a heavy hitter creative team. I mean, they've done Death Note, they did Bakuman, they've done oh, what's that other one I'm reading? Uh, oh God, oh no, I can't remember it. Uh, that one about the angels and they kill each other. Uh, oh God, uh, you mean what's the name? You mean uh, Killing McAngelsons? Yeah, that's the series. It's um. Oh shit, it's in here somewhere. Killy McAngel Sons. Platinum End. <laughs> they did Platinum End. Uh, all of these series have excellent artwork because it's a writer, it's one writer and one artist working together. And as I've said, generally speaking, in my personal experience, if the writer is also the artist, eventually they will start cutting corners just because they have to do all of it by themselves and it's a really tough schedule. If it's an artist and a writer working together, the artist gets to focus a little bit more on the art and you generally will get more detailed pages. Um, that's no shade to artists that also are the writers because that is the norm. And of course I'm a big fan of a lot of them, but it is just, it's a really tough job. And so splitting those duties up allows somebody to focus and give a little bit more time to the art than they would otherwise. And uh, you see it with this team. They have a, they have a really strong artistic style, and I think it looks great here. I, I definitely think that this is a, I, I think this is a jump in, but it, it's not a must read. I guess. Yeah, it's definitely auxiliary. It's it will spoil some stuff. So if you don't want to have, if you have not experienced a Death Note, I would not read this because I think Death Note's worth experiencing. Uh, but if you have experienced Death Note and what you know, it sounds interesting to you. It, it's a pretty enjoyable, although. Re- ultimately light adventure uh, that was another punt fuck oh my god anymore anyways i'm not talking anymore okay anyways stick with us after these credits and we'll give you another important life lesson blake and spencer get jumped is made by forever summer productions and presented as part of the geekly grind podcast network sound editing is done by rashad english he's our level 13 sound wizard 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. 
damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of the Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of. If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on comic book keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geek Exploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. We'll see you next week. And uh, until then, remember that Blake said duties. He said duties like three times. And don't you think that it got past me all that shit talking? (laughs) Fuck off.